Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Twelve. That's the title of this series. We're actually studying the disciples of Christ. Uh, We're studying these twelve men that made a commitment to follow Christ, and eventually they were they were nominated or they were designated as the apostles of Christ. They went out and just spread the gospel through all the lands. And they made disciples of all nations. And that's what we have been mandated to do as well as to make disciples of all nations. Well, what made these 12 ordinary people all of a sudden become so passionate for the cause of Christ that they were even willing to lay down their own life? Most of them became martyrs for the, for the cause of Christ. What made them want to do that? That's what we're studying. We're studying how when you invite Christ into your life, when you make a commitment to follow through with water baptism, there's something that takes place in our life that is life-changing. It's the Spirit of Christ in us. Let me ask you a question. Have any of you ever felt sometimes your contribution in life really doesn't matter? Have you ever felt, I had one old gentleman told me, tell me one time, he said, I don't even know why God leaves me on this earth. I'm just taking up oxygen that other young kids could take and breathe. I started laughing. He goes, what does my life really matter? Have you ever wondered, if you're older, you might wonder, if you, will you ever be remembered? Ever wondered that? After I die, will I ever be remembered? Maybe you're younger and you feel like sometimes in life that you're living in the shadows of others. Have you ever felt like that? You're living in someone else's shadow? I'm the youngest of three kids, or the youngest of three siblings. I have an older brother, Tim. He's eight years older than me. I have an older sister, Debbie. She's five years older than me. And then I came along. My sister said I was adopted, but I wasn't. (laughs) Then she told me I was an accident, and I wasn't. Wouldn't matter if I might have been an accident in parents. I'm not an accident with God, Amen. But when I was growing up, I was known as Debbie's little brother. When I walked, she used to take me to school. She used to be, I used to be, you know, she was the one designated to take care of little Tommy. And so when we went, it was always, oh, this is Debbie's little brother. And so when I even met her friends, my sister's friends, they would say, oh, you must be Debbie's little brother. I don't think any of them knew my name. I don't think a single person knew that I was Tom. Now, don't feel sorry for me. I feel very well adjusted. At least that's what I think, and don't pop my bubble, okay? I feel adjusted. I feel like I'm okay. I got through all that. But sometimes in life, it feels like we take the back seat to others. Sometimes we struggle. Have you ever struggled with riding in the back seat? My daughter, Brittany, did. My daughter all of a sudden started a revolt in our household. She was always put in the back seat. If Annette was riding the car, she would sit next to me. But then if Annette wasn't with me, my two boys who are bigger in stature, they would be sitting next and be playing shotgun, and she'd get to ride, in, or they would get to ride in the car. But then uh, Brittany was always designated to the back seat. One day, she finally started, just put on a full-blown revolt. She says, I'm not sitting in the back seat. I get shotgun. doesn't matter if I'm smaller. I want shotgun. And so she would fight too. She would even kick a net out of the front seat so that she could ride in that front seat. She was tired of being treated like a second-class citizen. And I share that story because most of us don't like being viewed as less important 
or insignificant. Most of us don't like to be viewed as common, ordinary. We want to be viewed as valuable. We want our lives to be significant. But my question for us today is what happens if our viewpoint about ourselves is built on a faulty assumption? What happens if we don't think that, we're, that we think we are insignificant, but that's just a faulty assumption about how we have our perspective of how we view ourselves, but in God's eyes, we are very significant and we just don't realize it. We're living, we're living under this, this faulty assumption, thinking that, man, my life doesn't matter. And God says, man, will you wake up? Your life matters. Sometimes we get in the fog and the pastor has to clap his hands real loud to wake people up and say, hey, come on. What if your life is truly valuable and significant, but you just don't have the right perspective? Just because you don't receive the accolades doesn't mean you're not significant in God's plan. In fact, I believe some people miss what God is trying to do in their lives because they're always searching for something greater when greatness is right before them and they just can't see it. Many times we miss what God is trying to do because we're stuck in a comparison game. We've talked about that. We're always comparing ourselves to the Joneses or to the Smiths and why do they have that beautiful house and why do they have that new car and and why does he have that great job and why is she married and I'm not married yet? We're always playing this comparison game and today... I want to introduce you to one of the disciples that could have played that comparison game. He could have got stuck in looking at his navel navel gazing, as I said, and just got stuck there and never really did anything for the Lord. Because, you know what, this disciple I'm going to talk about always lived in the shadow of his brother. His name is Andrew. He was Simon's brother. That's how it's always announced in God's word. This is Andrew, Simon's brother. Seems like it's always a tagline attached to his name. Andrew is that guy that didn't receive all the accolades. He was known more as Peter's brother than for his own achievements. He seemed to always be in the shadow of Pete. That's just how it is. Peter, the disciple, guess what? He was the one that walked on water. He got out of the boat and literally was walking on. It doesn't matter that he started to sink. He was the only one in the boat that had the faith to get out on the water and walk towards Jesus. It was Peter on the day of Pentecost. After they were baptized and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, he went outside and there was uh, thousands of people outside wondering what in the world is taking place. And Peter was the one that preached the good news, preached the gospel. And it says on that day, 3,000 people came to know Jesus. It was Peter who wrote two letters that will forever be in God's word, First and Second Peter. We probably read them. It was Peter, which I've shared this message here just recently, with Peter and John when they were walking up to the temple gates called Beautiful, and they met the crippled man, and they said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. This is Andrew's brother. Andrew's introduces Andrew, Simon, brothers, Simon Peter's brother. Peter was bold. He was confident. And I know that at times Peter got out over his skis and got himself into trouble. We know those stories. But Peter is mentioned 153 times in the New Testament. And Andrew is mentioned 12 times. 
And out of those 12 times, probably 8, 9, 10 of those times, he's introduced as Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Have you ever felt that you've been in the shadow of someone else? But maybe, could it be, that's exactly where God wanted Andrew to be. Let's continue discussing a little bit more of Andrew's background. Andrew and Simon were both fishermen, probably involved in the family business. I don't know if their father Jonah was a fisherman, but I kind of guess he was. It was probably generation, generation, generation. They were all fishermen. They appear to be close friends. Peter and, Peter and Andrew seem to be close friends as James and John, the, the sons of Zebedee, the, the sons of thunder, because you see in the Bible they, they work together. They were all part of a region called of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee. They were all part of that region. It's the same region that, that Jesus resided in. These guys were from the city of Bethsaida. Andrew and Peter were like many brothers. They were opposites. Peter was loud, brash, insert foot and mouth at times. He was impulsive, often spoke his thoughts without regard. You knew what Peter had on his mind. He didn't hide it. He didn't think about his words before he said them. He just said them and basically dealt with the consequences. Any of you have ever done that? Any of you live with a spouse? No, don't, don't look at your spouse. Don't? Yeah, I told you not to look. Andrew appears to be the quieter brother. So Peter's this bold, brash, brash, loud, moving forward. Don't think, just do it. Then Andrew appears to be the quieter brother. Although the name Andrew actually means manly and strong. So I don't think that we should look at Andrew as being the weaker brother. He's just the quieter one. Andrew was a follower of John the Baptist, a disciple of John the Baptist. We don't know that Peter was, but Andrew was. The Bible says he was. He was the one of the two men. When the John the Baptist was sidestanding on the road, Pete, uh, Andrew and another disciple were standing by John the Baptist, and when Jesus walked by, John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God. And it says in Scripture, immediately, Andrew and the other disciple went and followed Jesus. Today I want to discuss some of the qualities that you really have to dig into God's Word to find about this man named Andrew. Because guess what? God used the qualities that he gave to Andrew for his glory. And they're pretty amazing. The first is super simple, but it's not necessarily that easy. The first one is Andrew chose to follow Jesus. You can read the account in the Gospel of John chapter 1. After Jesus saw Andrew and another person following him, Jesus turned and asked them. So can you imagine Jesus walking? All of a sudden, John the Baptist is standing there. Behold, the Lamb of God. Andrew and this other disciple just... Start following Jesus. Jesus is walking, and all of a sudden he feels, have you ever walked down the road and all of a sudden feel like someone's following you? That's where Jesus is at. He's fine. And he just turns around and he says, what do you want? And Andrew says, where are you going? And then the three famous words that Jesus says, I spoke a message on this the other day. He says, come and see. And it says in Scripture that they spent the rest of the day with Jesus as they went and, went and followed Jesus. And John 1 reveals a very resolute Andrew who was willing to leave John the Baptist, who was the, he was a disciple 
of John the Baptist. He was following John the Baptist. That was a big deal back in those days. It was making, it was like an internship. I was, they were willing to commit to John the Baptist. But as soon as they saw Jesus, they left John the Baptist. They didn't seem like they asked permission. Hey, John, can we go follow Jesus? They just followed Jesus. When it comes to following Jesus, catch this thought. Hesitation is the greatest deterrent. When it comes to following Jesus, hesitation is the greatest deterrent. There's so many times in my life where I've missed, I feel, on certain things that God's asked me to do because I hesitated. I see people each and every day when they hesitate, when Jesus calls them to do something, they hesitate. I see people who don't lift their hands to follow Christ, they hesitate. Maybe not today, maybe next week. You know, there's times in our life we hesitate and we miss out on the opportunities that God has for our life. You've heard the saying, he who hesitates is lost. Meaning those who don't act, meaning those who don't act can lose out on a great opportunity. Andrew responded immediately. As soon as he saw, when John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God, he didn't hesitate. He just started following Jesus. Andrew's story or response reminds me of the parable that Jesus shared in Matthew chapter 13. The pearl of great price. Do you guys know that parable? The pearl of great price? No? Let me share it with you. I want, you to, I want to read verses 45 and 46. These are Jesus' words, and Andrew's response reminds me of this parable. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on a lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. That's kind of what I see Andrew doing. As soon as he saw Jesus passing by, he goes, that's the pearl. And he was willing to leave everything to go and follow Jesus. That was his response. Andrew didn't hesitate to leave John the Baptist to follow him. And it's a great reminder for all of us. I want you to catch this. To never hold on to anything so tight that we miss out on following Jesus. Never hold on to one thing so tight that all of a sudden when Jesus calls, we miss out on following him. There's nothing wrong that Andrew followed John the Baptist, by the way. There was nothing. In fact, John the Baptist was the one that, guess what, pointed Andrew to Jesus, right? So there was nothing wrong with that. But there's a point in our lives where Andrew always said, John the Baptist is a good thing. Here's the greater thing for me to follow Jesus. And he was willing to let go of the good thing so that he could follow the greater What is God maybe asking us to do at times in our lives? Are we willing to let go of something that, not necessarily a sin. Boy, you guys are a quiet crowd today. Whew. I need Latasha down here. <laughs> Pastor Tom, that's such a good word. Thank you for preaching. Hang on. I received that. Thank you so much. God bless you. Okay, I feel better already. Whew, it was getting quiet in here. You don't, don't. Hey, you can say amen. You can say thank you, Jesus, whatever you want to do. Receive God's word. There's nothing wrong with Andrew following Jesus. And there's times in our life where we have to be reminded that there's times in our lives where we need to let go of good things so that we can pursue even greater things. Andrew wasn't going to be distracted by anything. Jesus was going to be number one in his life. 
Today we live in a world of distractions. We have so many things that can distract us from following after Jesus. Do you know, there's things in our lives that are good. I mean, a ball game is good. Um, um, a job is good. Uh, our kids are good. All these things are good. But if they ever get in the way of us following Jesus, guess what? We're in trouble. we got to sometimes let go of the good things so we can hold on to the greater things. Don't live in a world of distractions. Thank you for that, amen. Have you ever considered this thought? How social media builds their platform centered around followers? Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, if it's still around in another week, I don't know. TikTok. All these things are built around followers. Have you ever thought that? That's what they build their platform on. The more followers you have, the more successful, the more influence that you have. And so we're always trying to gain more followers. And, and people actually make money. There's nothing wrong with that. They make money off of influence. They make money off of the followers. Social media is all about influence. But could that sometimes distract us from what's really important? If social media is distracting you from following God, if you follow three hours of social media and spend one minute in God's word, you have a problem. Get rid of social media and get God's word. Because social media is not going to change your life. God's word will. Social media will depress you. God's word will not. See, we get things backwards. We get things that all of a sudden turned upside down in our lives. And all of a sudden, we have all these different things that are competing for the time of God. I had a, there's a friend that goes to our church here. And he shared a story with me. He said he had lost his business at one point in his life. He lost everything. And back then, he was always kind of holding back. He was never really pr pronouncing Jesus as number one. He was never, he was like on his social media. He was always very careful what he said. He was politically correct, all those type of things. He said, man... When I got a chance to start my business back over, I changed all that. I didn't keep Jesus quiet. I didn't care what I, I didn't care if people got offended. I'm just, and you know, he wasn't, he wasn't that he was hate-filled or he was did everything in love, but he just wasn't going to shy back that he was a follower of Christ. You know what happened to him? His business blew up. He was afraid that people would get offended and he might lose people. Guess what? When he all of a sudden he made Jesus number one in his life, all of a sudden his business took off like crazy. See, we're so afraid of different things that we shouldn't be afraid of. Andrew wasn't afraid. He said, when he heard John's words, behold, the Lamb of God, he went and followed. He didn't hesitate. Second thing, Andrew was an influencer of Jesus. He wasn't a loud influencer. He wasn't seeking to be known by everyone. He was really more of a covert influencer. He was kind of that guy behind the scenes, but he was making things happen. In fact, without Andrew, guess what? There might not be a Peter. Listen to John 1. Andrew went to find his brother. See, this is after Andrew and this other disciple spent the whole day with Jesus. He decided, this is the Messiah. And this scripture comes, Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means the Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. After he spent the day with Jesus, oh, my brother can't miss out on this. He said it brought, and it brought Simon to Jesus. That Greek word brought can also mean carried. I don't know why, but I just kind of have this mental picture because Andrew's name means manly man. 
I don't know, because Peter is kind of stubborn, it seems like at times. I kind of think that Andrew literally, if he, if he didn't persuade Peter, he was going to carry Peter to Jesus. He was going to put him in a lock hole and say, hey, you're coming with me to Jesus. That's just my thoughts. That's not found in the Bible. It's just me. But, you know, if you really, truly love someone, you'll do everything it takes to get them to Jesus. See, I believe Andrew was that kind of guy. He was that guy that was determined. And nothing was going to keep him from following Jesus. And nothing was going to keep his brother from following Jesus, including him. If he had to drag him there to follow Jesus, he was going to do it. Andrew loved his brother. He wasn't going to let Peter miss out on the Messiah. Whatever influence we have, let's use it for Jesus. It wasn't long after this first encounter with Jesus, after Andrew had met with Jesus and spent the day, and after he drugged Peter to Jesus and they spent the day, it wasn't long after that when Jesus is walking down the beach and he sees Andrew and Peter fishing along the shore, and he, also James and John were fishing along the shore, and all of a sudden Jesus speaks out to them Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 4, verses 19 and 20, come, follow me. And I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed Jesus. Again, they didn't hesitate to answer the call of God. From that day forward, Andrew and Peter, along with James and John, became fishers of men. Again, sometimes, and you've got to think about this, it literally says in the word of God that they left their nets right where they were at. This is, they had been fishermen probably for generation after generation after generation. And when Jesus said, come follow me, they left their nets in place and they went to follow Jesus. There's times where we have to leave the good things so that we can pursue the greater things that God is calling in our life. For the rest of Andrew's life, he was an influence for the cause of Christ. There's an interesting account in John chapter 12 where Jesus and the disciples were entering into Jerusalem for the Passover. And some Greeks come up to Philip and they ask, hey, you know what, we want to meet this man named Jesus. And Philip seems like he's a little confused. He's not sure if he should go introduce them to Jesus. Now remember, Jesus hasn't really done any ministry to the Greeks or to the Gentiles at this point. He's really ministering to the Jewish people. So Philip seems a little unsure how to respond. He goes to Andrew and says, Andrew, this is what's taking place. He introduces them to Andrew. So then Andrew, Andrew and, and Philip go to Jesus and share with this. And it introduces this whole new scenario that's taking place. And it's, it's significant, guys. It might, when you read through it, it doesn't seem that, it seems kind of insignificant. It's significant. When Jesus hears that, Some Greeks want to meet with him. He says, my time has come. My time has come. What does that mean? It means that his time for his crucifixion, the time for his resurrection has come. And then it says that the heavens open up and and a voice from heaven said these words, I've glorified it, I will glorify it again. Meaning that he has glorified the son Jesus and he's going to glorify him again through his death and resurrection. It's at that moment that Jesus shares some powerful words when he says, when I am lifted up, I will draw all people unto me. It was a switch in the atmosphere. It was a switch in the environment where all of a sudden God was opening up salvation to all people, not just to some. And guess who was a part of that? It was Andrew. Hey, let's bring him to Jesus. He was never shrinking back from an opportunity. 
Church history states that Andrew ministered to remote areas around the Black Sea, including Turkey and Romania and Ukraine and Russia. Eventually, he was crucified on a cross, Andrew was. Church history says that he, was, he hung on that cross for three days, continued to preach the word of God. He was all about the name and power of Jesus. You see, you can be an influencer at whatever. If you're not an influencer for Jesus, you're missing out. Our number one calling in our life is that we're called to be an influencer for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Andrew never stopped influencing people towards Jesus. Lastly, Andrew didn't ignore the small things. I know I'm going a little bit over. Just hang with me. I think we'd all say one of the greatest miracles that we see in the Gospels, there are in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Don't you agree that's one of the great miracles, the feeding of the 5,000? In the Gospel of John, chapter 6, we once again see some details that is not displayed in the other three Gospels, but we find it in John, chapter 6. And it's some character traits of Andrew. Listen to the following verses in feeding the 5,000. Verses 5 through 9 of John 6. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if, I worked for, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here, Jesus, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Now, even though Andrew didn't see how Jesus was going to feed the 5,000, I want you to catch this thing. Andrew didn't ignore the small things. And it should remind all of us that small things matter to God. Sometimes we get so caught up with the big things that we miss the little things that God wants to do in our life. Let us never become so important in our life. Let us never become rise to such an influence in our life that we miss the small things that God wants us to do. Andrew didn't miss small things. Philip was overwhelmed. When Jesus came to him, hey, let's feed these 5,000 people. Jesus, I could, we could all work for months and we would never have enough money to feed all these people. Andrew might not have envisioned the miracle that Jesus was going to perform, but he didn't miss out on presenting the small lunch that was right there. He presented to Jesus. It's just a reminder. For, what small thing in your life are you to present to Jesus? What small thing that you might think is insignificant? There's no way that God can use this. I'm sitting in front of 5,000 people. And there's a small talent that you have that Jesus just wants. Maybe it's a small thing that you've never given over to Jesus. Maybe it's a small addiction or something that you've just hung on to over and over and over again. And Jesus says, will you let go of that small thing? Because if you let go of that small thing, I can do great things. It is good. It's good preaching. See, at times in our life, big things have become so distracting that we can miss out on the small things that God desires to use in our life. Many times it's the small things that God will use for great miracles. Andrew didn't miss small things. Why? Because he wasn't looking for fame. He wasn't looking for accolades. He wasn't concerned about his own success. He was only concerned, what could I bring to Jesus? Woo! 
Come on, what can I bring to Jesus? What would happen in our lives if that would be our concern? What can I bring to Jesus? Come on in, kids. Come on down the front. Sit down here. I need a good audience down here that will just say amen. Will you guys say amen real quick, all the kids? Say amen. Thank you, guys. Come on. Come on in here. Sit down. So cool. Andrew didn't miss the small things. He was only looking for what Jesus could use. It's a reminder that little becomes great if God is in control. A small stone can bring down a giant. A small boy's lunch can feed the 5,000. A small man named Zacchaeus can become great, become a great testimony. Two small coins given by a widow can bring the loudest bang in the offering plate. Are you guys catching any of this? No. A small portion of oil and flour can become an unending, unending resource for a mother and a child who were about ready to die, but they were willing to give it to Jesus. Jesus said these words, the faith as small as a mustard seed can make the impossible possible. See, sometimes we overlook small things because we view them as insignificant. Andrew didn't miss the small things, and he became a vessel of great influence. The Bible says God opposes the proud, but man, he gives grace to the humble. And one of the reasons that humility is so important, I believe that humility was one of the qualities that Andrew had in his life, and I believe why it's so important for us to have in our life is humility helps us to not miss the small things in life. It helps us to pick up on things that maybe other people wouldn't pick up on. And when we all of a sudden grab a hold of those small things, we apply them to our life. We use them for God's resources. We, we use our talents, even though it might be small. Maybe, maybe it's, you know, just helping to park a car. Maybe it's greeting out on a Sunday morning. Maybe it's taking a meal to someone on a, during the week. Whatever that small thing might be. In God's hands, it can become great when we use it for His glory. Small things can be significant in God's hands. What small thing can you give to God today? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that your word is powerful, it is effective. It says it does not return void. So I believe when your word is preached, God, it changes our heart, it changes our mind, it touches our lives. I pray today's word, Lord God, as we shared about the disciple named Andrew. A person that seemed like he was always raised in the shadow of his brother. That Lord, today, for those who feel like they maybe are in the shadow of something else, or shadow of someone else, or shadow at work, or shadow at wherever they might be, I pray, I pray today, God, you would open up the heavens over their heart, over their lives, that they would recognize, Lord God, that even though they might view themselves as ins insignificant in your eyes, Lord God, you, they are significant because they are your creation. Today, you might be here and you just need to give, and this is, I felt this in my spirit early this morning. And I want every head bowed, eyes closed for just a second. You may be sitting here today, and this is an opportunity for you. Where there's just something small in your life 
that you've hung on to. Maybe it's an offense. Someone that hurt you and you've hung on to that thing. You don't want to let go because it brings you comfort in a weird sense of way. Maybe, maybe it's a talent that you kind of buried and you don't want anyone to know about it because you just don't want to be publicly put out there to use it, but yet God wants to use it for his glory. You know what it is. I don't. And maybe there's a small thing that you're hanging on to. And God wants you, just like with the little boy that brought his lunch that fed the 5,000, God says, if you just open up your hand and let me take it, I will use it for my glory. Will you let me have it? And if that's you today, where you have that small thing that you just never released, raise your hand real high. Because I want to just say a prayer. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see those hands up there. Anybody else? It's your opportunity. Don't hesitate. Don't miss out. Lord Jesus, you see the hands today? I don't know what they might be. Maybe it's a talent. Maybe it's something that we've just kind of hung on to we need to let loose of. Whatever it might be. I pray today, God, that we will open up our hands and we'll release, Lord God, what you desire. And that, God, as we release that thing, whatever it might be, I pray, God, that you would use it for your glory. If it's good, it's going to be used for greatness. If it's wrong, if it's bad, if it's evil, God, you turn those things that were meant for evil and you turn them for your good. So God, I pray that will take place today in everyone's lives and in everyone's hearts. In Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, amen. God good? Yeah, he's good. He is faithful. He is just. Even when we're not faithful, God is faithful. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.